Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Grab your Bibles or they'll be on the screen for you as well. Matthew 28, we'll start verse 18. There's three scriptures this morning. Um, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and then Ephesians 4. All right, Matthew 28, Acts 2. Ephesians 4. If you like uh, having notes, going back and reviewing the notes from the message during the week, uh, we make it easier for you. If you go to the YouVersion Bible app, there's an event for this Sunday service. Uh, you can go there and search up Covenant Life Church in Bremen, and it will pull you up. It will show you the notes and all the scriptures and everything that you need to go back this week and review what, we go, what we're about to talk about, all right? You need to do that now because for some reason they disappear after the church, after the service. So go ahead and do that now. Matthew 28, let's start there. Verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's what we call the Great Commission. Now, Acts chapter 2, right after the day of Pentecost, the apostle Peter preached a message, 3,000 got saved. This is what happened next. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while, praising God, and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship. Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of the God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. And we'll stop right there. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for the chance to be in your house together with people of like faith. I thank you for the chance to worship you and to be in your presence And Lord, I thank you for the chance now to be in your word. I pray that as we break the bread of life that we will be filled. I pray, God, as we hear your word that we'll be challenged not just to hear it, not just to listen, not just to understand it, but to do it for your honor and for your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. 
Now, I don't know about you, but over the years, I have uh, enjoyed commercials on television almost as much as I have enjoyed the shows themselves. There's been a lot of fantastic advertising campaigns through the, through the decades. Uh, you know it was effective when uh, it worms its way into your everyday life. You hear it coming out your mouth, and you realize that, you're, that it's a commercial you're quoting. So, for instance, when you go to the reptile house at the zoo and you see the little green lizards, you immediately think of Geico Insurance, right? The geckos. I cannot see a gecko and not think Geico. They did it. They got in my brain. They got in yours too. When your kid sticks their upper lip in the milk glass and gets a milk mustache, what's the first thing that comes out your mouth? Got milk? They got in your brain, right? That's how they do that. And, and when you approach a man of a certain age and innocently ask, what's up? You may be shocked when he replies, what's up? Right? And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, Google it. Google it. I, I can't tell you the product because it was a beer commercial and we can't talk about beer in church. But it was funny, okay? Now, I think one of the most effective campaigns that was ever launched was launched 20 years ago. I really thought it was longer than that. 20 years ago, by a marketing firm called R&R Partners, on behalf of the tourism board of a city in the western United States. Uh, Let's see if you can finish this sentence. What happens in... bunch of heathens what in the world what do y'all watch you you see how effective that was though i said three words y'all finished the rest of the sentence um i mean people who have never been to vegas they use that line or some version of it in all kinds of different situations uh, all the time in their lives because there's this there's this notion that there are some things that should stay compartmentalized Right? That there are some things you can engage in that don't have to have an effect on all the other areas of your life. It's the promise of a secret life that draws people in and makes them want to go to Las Vegas. And it's been incredibly effective. Unfortunately, that mindset seems to have also wormed its way into the American church. Too many people want to come to church for whatever reason, and there are a bunch of reasons why people come to church. But people want to come to church for whatever reason, but they're determined that what happens in church stays in church. They're they're determined to keep the spiritual stuff at church and not allow it to seep over into their Monday through Saturday reality. I I heard a politician just a few years ago with a straight face say that he had very sincere religious beliefs, but that he doesn't allow those beliefs to influence his decisions in the public sector. What happens at his church stays in his church. See, listen, today we're going to talk about the mission and the vision of this church. We've been doing this for about three weeks. It's the third week. Uh, And you're like, well, I'm a visitor. I don't know if I want to hear about this. If you are looking for a church, then it's important for you to know what what, what this church is about. There are some things that we're willing to lose people over. 
Not everybody belongs here. Not everybody needs, wants to come here because there are things that, that, that we strive for that not everybody's going to buy into. So if you don't believe it enough to let people walk away who don't buy in, then you don't believe it yet. Okay? So these are the things that we're talking about today that we're willing to lose people over. It's important for you to understand that. We've been talking about this for about three weeks, and we're going to kind of wrap that up today. But I'm just going to tell you right now, that kind of Las Vegas mindset, that kind of, that kind of uh, what happens in church stays at church, uh, I don't want any part of that here. There, there's no part of that that belongs in the church. As a matter of fact, with my apologies to my English teacher friends, I've decided to call this message today, This Ain't Vegas. All right? This ain't Vegas. Here's why. Because if what happens at church stays at church, then we've missed the whole point. If what you learn at church, if what you feel at church, if what you experience at church, if what you find at church doesn't make it out the doors of the church, then we're not a church. We're some sort of secret, super secret society or organization. If that's the attitude, if that's the perspective that we hold about church, then we don't understand what God has called us to. If what we say we believe in on Sunday doesn't affect our decisions in the public sector, then we don't really believe what we say we believe. What happens in church cannot and must not stay in the church. The whole mission, the whole point is to go into the world and make disciples of people, teaching them all the things that have been taught to us on the inside. And if we really follow Jesus, we have to follow him outside the doors of the church too. So ladies and gentlemen, this ain't Vegas. What happens here can't stay here. We have to go and tell everybody else about it. Amen? Now, let's start with the mission. What's, what's the mission? Jesus gives it, oh Lord, I've been pastoring this church for 10 years. I hope y'all know this now. Jesus gave it to us and every other Bible-believing church and person in the world, and that is to go and do what? Yay, I'm coming back another week. That, that's the mission. That's the mission. But, but how we carry that mission out is unique to every person and every individual church, and that's the vision part of it. Our vision and our mission statement has, uh, has, is about to undergo a little bit of an upgrade this year. All right. I, I wanted to clear away some of the clutter to keep these, these three words um, front and center. What three words? Well, for the last 10 years, the vision of our church has been centered around three words. Real, relational, and reaching. Real, relational, and reaching. And I want to I make sure that those words are front and center. So drawing on the language from Acts chapter 2 that we talked about last week and we just read, this is our new vision mission statement. All right. Covenant Life Church is devoted to making disciples who are real, relational, and reaching. That's it. Short and sweet, to the point, but that's what we're called to do. If somebody asks you what our church is about, they ask you what, we're, what the vision is, that's it. I hope you'll take the time to learn this so you can share it. It's not about buildings. It's not about budgets. It's about people. It's about people. Now, I want to take a little time to talk about the vision of the church and how, how we walk that out and, and contrast it with this Vegas promotional idea 
All right, so here's the first part. Part of what the, the Vegas folks are selling is the opportunity to go out there and to, to be whomever you want to be, right? You want to go act like you're a high roller. You want to go out and be a party animal. You want to go be a player. You go be whatever you want to be out there. And the idea is really to be uh, as far from who you really are as possible. Well, guess what? This ain't Vegas. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, and if you're going to be effective in making disciples, then you're going to have to be real. You've got to be real. Here's what we know here at Covenant Life. No authentic life change happens until you get real with God. It's the foundation of everything else. You can't build relationships. We talk about relational. You can't build relationships with somebody unless you're real. And you shouldn't. We talk about reaching. You should not waste your time reaching outside the walls if what you're trying to take them is not real. Like if it's not working for you, don't go tell somebody else how to do it. All right? Why? Because the world is tired of fake. Real works. Real resonates. Real draws people. Pastor Craig Rochelle says on every one of his leadership podcasts, always be yourself because people would always rather follow a leader who's always real than one who's always right. And isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? And if we want to lead people to Jesus, then we need to show them what real looks like. Not perfect, real. Real. And if what you found about Jesus stays at the church, then how are they ever going to see what following Jesus looks like? See, this has to be a safe place. Covenant life has to be a safe place where the fake and the facade falls away and people can bring their real burdens, their real cares, their doubts, their questions, their, their sins, their issues, bring all of that stuff. People need a real encounter with Jesus because Jesus is the only one who can change a life and save a soul. They have to have a real encounter with him. They have to be real about their spiritual condition. They have to be real about admitting their sins and their struggles. Real about repentance. Real about surrendering their lives to Jesus. Well, where do you find a real encounter with Jesus? You encounter his presence in worship. You encounter his power in prayer. You encounter his principles and his promises in the teaching and the preaching of his word. And, and when you have one of those encounters with Jesus, you can't leave that at the church. You have to take it with you. This has to be a place and we have to be a people who are real above all other things. Because this ain't Vegas. What happens here can't stay here. Now another part of what Vegas is is selling is the opportunity to go and have no responsibilities, no accountability, maybe above all. It's the attitude that I'm living for me and only me. I do what I want. Y'all ever had teenagers say that to you? Isn't that funny? I do what I want. Okay. Uh, I do what I want. And, and nobody gets to know my business. What I do doesn't hurt anybody else and doesn't affect anybody else. Well, guess what? This ain't Vegas. 
There's no version of discipleship where you get to fly solo. There's no version of following Jesus where what you do doesn't matter and doesn't affect everybody else. Disciples have to be relational. They have to be relational. Y'all okay? Y'all highlight this the first time y'all heard this. All right. The Christian faith is designed to be lived out in community. He said, how do you know that? Read it. Read the New Testament. Look at the language of the New Testament. When we pray, what did Jesus say? You, you say, our Father. Our Father. What do we call each other? Brothers and sisters. We're, we are a part of the body of Christ. We're said to make up the bride of Christ. That's the language of relationship. We are responsible for each other. This is not something that modern American churches talk about anymore, but you, and, you are my brothers and sisters, and I am responsible for you. There's, there can't be any of this. We always like to talk about the Good Samaritan like we're always the good guy. But how many times do we see our brothers and our sisters laying, about to fall into a pit, laying on the side of the road, and we just step over and keep walking because that ain't my problem? Listen, it is your problem. We are responsible for one another. And listen, if you didn't like that, you're going to like this less. We're accountable to each other. We have to watch out for each other. Relationships matter. We're a body. By definition, what affects one area of a body affects every other part of the body. An injury to your arm, an infection that enters a wound in your arm, will soon affect every other part of the body. Why? Because we share the same blood. And in the body of Christ, the blood of Jesus flows through the veins of every born-again child of God. So your infections affect me. And mine affect you. And then conversely, when I get healthier, when I get stronger, it helps you get healthier and stronger. Because we're in this thing together. Listen, this ain't Vegas. It's, it can't be every person for himself. It can't be all about me, myself, and I. We have to build relationships with people. Like real relationships with people. It, it, can't be, it can't be the fake ones that they build in Las Vegas where everybody's pretending to be somebody they're not. That, that doesn't work. You look at the end of the book of Romans and Paul says to the believers there, love each other. And then he says... No, like really love each other. Like not this, this surface level stuff, this fist bump, how you doing there, brother, and just on the way out to Cracker Barrel. Like you got to build a real relationship with people. That's how the faith gets passed along. That's how disciples get made. What did it say in Acts chapter 2? They were in each other's houses all the time. They stayed together 
all the time learning about they're taking what the apostles taught them and they're breaking it down over over the over dinner they're talking about how it affects them how it hit them what they're going to do different how that all works they're they're sharing life together that's how you learn to develop the habits and the disciplines of a disciple of Jesus by following him together with other people now it's not that everybody's going to be besties with everybody else Okay? Am I preaching Greek? This what in the world? Jeez, y'all are scaring me. We're not going to be besties with everybody, but we do have to learn to be disciples of Christ in coordination and, and, and in cooperation and in consideration of all the other disciples. Amen, John. That's good preaching. Hallelujah. Glory. Now, I need signs. Where are my signs? Hallelujah. Glory. Amen. Preach it. All right. As a, as a Pentecostal church, there's often a lot of discussion about gifts of the Spirit, right? Well, guess what the Bible says is the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit. It doesn't say it's to liven up your services. It doesn't say it's to make you appear super spiritual. It says in, in 1 Corinthians 12 that the purpose of spiritual gifts is to edify the body. It's to edify the body. You can't be a secret saint. You can't be a private Pentecostal. That is not how that works. What God deposited in you for the Holy Spirit to operate is not for you. It's a spiritual gift. It's operated in relationship, right? It's through you, but it's for everybody else. If you're not allowing the gifts that God has placed in you to edify the body, then you're withholding good things from your own body. It's like stabbing yourself in the eyeball. It hurts. And it doesn't just hurt the eyeball, it hurts you. The body, the spirit places these things in the body to bring life. And we're withholding life from our own bodies when we choose to, to withhold it. What about, so that's the gifts of the Spirit. What about fruits of the Spirit? Well, fruit's not for the benefit of the tree. You ever seen a tree open up eating its own fruit? That's weird. The fruit's for the people around the tree, not for the tree. The fruit that the Spirit produces is for other people. Every, everything about the kingdom of God is about people. It's, the faith is passed from person to person. So there's no way to be a real disciple and say, well, what happens in me stays in me. What happens in church stays in church. No, this ain't Vegas. We have to be real and we have to be relational with each other. Here's the last thing. What, what Vegas is selling, maybe most uh, above all, is the promise of anonymity and secrecy. What happens here stays here. What I do and who I become will never reach the people that I live with and work with and do life with in the real world. Well, guess what? This ain't Vegas. Discipleship is focused on reaching 
It's focused on reaching. It can't be contained to your experience at church. You can't draw a line between the sacred and the secular. That's not how this works. You have to allow what you experience in your relationship with God to permeate every part of your life so that with every interaction, more and more of Jesus shines through you. You can't keep it a secret. Disciples of Jesus can't keep it a secret because you literally can't keep it a secret. I love the, uh, there's a small little comment. I think it's in Acts chapter 4. The Jewish leaders made this to Peter and John after they had arrested them for preaching in the name of Jesus. And it wasn't intended as a compliment. Um, and it had a very literal meaning in that moment. But I think the, the, the greater meaning, more spiritual meaning or metaphorical meaning is, is just as important. They looked at them and they said, we can tell that these men have been with Jesus. We can tell these men have been with Jesus. Peter and John could no more have denied Jesus in that moment than they could have denied their own face. Because Jesus was oozing out of their pores. They had been with Jesus to the point that they were beginning to look like him and sound like him and act like him. Y'all ever met somebody like that? That their connection to Jesus was no secret. It was not staying in one place. It didn't stay at the temple while they went out and did whatever life looked like for them. It was reaching every person they came in contact with, even people who hated the thoughts of Jesus. And they didn't even have to say anything, man. Just the way they live, the way they interact with people, Jesus was just oozing out all over the place. What's happening to you as a disciple of Jesus is not intended to be a private matter. It has to come out. And it's exactly what the Holy Spirit helps you do. He puts love in your heart. This is Romans 5. He puts love in your heart so that you can love people like Jesus. Acts chapter 1. He puts power in your life so you can go and be a witness. Letting Jesus shine through you is a witness to others that something's different about you. That you have been with Jesus. Now not only is uh, what's happening to you as a disciple of Jesus not intended to be a private matter... It, it has to come out. The entire purpose of church is for you to take it to those outside the walls. We talked about this last year in a series called CL168. Um, but we do church backwards in America. We do it backwards. We spend all week trying to funnel people to the one hour that we're in church together. When Jesus intended it to be the other way around. We're supposed to take what we get in our one hour together and funnel it into the other 167 hours of the week. The church is supposed to operate 168 hours a week because this building is not the church. This geography is not the church. The the name on the sign is not the church. You're the church. I'm the church. We, We sang it this morning. We're the church. We have to flip the funnel. we got to start taking all the knowledge and all the wisdom and all the passion and all the intimacy that we gain from our time together with the church gathered, and then we have to allow it to equip us for ministry through the rest of the week. That's, what the, that's why I read that passage from Ephesians 4. The purpose, the leaders of the church, my job is to equip you 
to go and do the work of the ministry. And the American church, we think we are hiring professionals to do the work of the ministry, and we come each week to applaud them and tell them how good they're doing. And that's nowhere near what's in the book. So if that's true, let's, let's just go ahead and bust a myth. And church service is not primarily an evangelistic tool. Like, we, we're not here just so people can come and get saved. When they met in Acts chapter 2 in the temple every day, uh, the apostles were not teaching those people to get saved every week. They were, they, they were, not, they were not just going over salvation week, day after day and week after week. They were laying out sound doctrine for them. They were laying out how to live as a follower of Jesus. They were equipping the saints for the work of of the ministry. See, church services are designed for disciples, for encountering and equipping through worship and prayer and teaching and giving. Now, according to 1 Corinthians 14, our services have to be understandable to believers. They have to be accessible to unbelievers, have to be accessible to unbelievers. It's great when unbelievers come into our services, but they're not the focus the, the seeker-sensitive, seeker-focused services of the 1990s and the early 2000s were a complete and total failure. Even the people who started them and operated them have admitted, 20 years later, looking back, it was a complete failure. Why? <laughs> because they presumed that lost people were seeking. Here's the problem. Lost people don't want to be found because they don't know that they're lost. Or if they know, they don't want to admit it. So we can't expect them to show up at the front door of our church looking for help when they don't think anything's wrong. That's why God told us to go get them. He said, go, and we have stayed. We put flowers at the front door to make us look friendly. We have banners that say, welcome, but we're not going. We're staying and trying to get them to come to us, and I don't know, y'all, we're scary. We're scary. Y'all offended by that too? We, we are, this is a scary place. Churches are a scary place for people who don't know what goes on in there? Like they don't know if they qualify. I'm, I'm telling my Aldi story. Here's my Aldi story. Y'all ever been to Aldi? None of y'all? Lord, y'all making me work today. I, I had never been to Aldi. People kept telling me how awesome Aldi is. All right? And I got no problems with Aldi. I just didn't know that you can't get a buggy. Oh, y'all laughing. Now you're going to tell me. I didn't know you can't get a buggy without a quarter. Y'all, it's 2020. What? I, I don't carry cash. I didn't have a quarter. So I went to get a buggy, and it's locked. And it said, insert a quarter. I ain't got a quarter. I'm fussing with a machine. I don't have a quarter. 
So I go back to the, my truck. I can't find a quarter. I've looked in all the cracks, crevices, the holder. No, there ain't no quarters in my truck. So I go into the store. Apparently, you can get in the store without a quarter. You just can't have a buggy. So I went in to find a person. No, apparently, no people work at Aldi's. I went to this one little girl who's doing the register, and she got 18 people in line, and ain't nobody bagging groceries. That's another thing. Anyway, so I, she didn't want to talk to me. She had 18 people. Nobody's in the little thing. I go to the produce. No people work at Aldi's. The, the groceries just grow on the shelves. You know how many groceries I got at Aldi's that day? Zero. Took my little happy behind back to Bremen. I said, Ingles, I understand. Right? Walmart, I get. I don't know how to do Aldi. I ain't go back. You know, we don't charge people a quarter to get in. <laughs> but we got all kinds of secret stuff that goes on that only we know about, that people on the outside don't know about. And they don't know what to do. Like, they get up in the lobby and they don't know where to go. And they don't know that there's a room before the room. And that you're supposed to, like, call people brother and we got all kinds of weird stuff goes on. And if you, get, if you make people uncomfortable enough, they just go away. I have never been back to Aldi's. I got a quarter in my truck now, but I ain't spending it at Aldi's. Because I didn't know how to operate Aldi's. People don't come to church because they don't know how to operate church. They don't know if there's secret quarters that they're not prepared for. And nobody likes to be embarrassed. I felt like the dumb, I mean, like, I can't even do groceries. How dumb do you have to be not to be able to buy groceries? And these people aren't dumb. They just don't speak church. We've got to go get them. We've got to go get them. See, if we're only real and relational, you can be real and relational and not reaching. And if we're only real and relational... It's easy to get into a little holy huddle and exclude the very people that Jesus sent us to. He said, go make disciples. We're not at war with the culture. Please quit talking about the culture wars. We are not at war with our culture. We are not at war with sinners. We're not at war with anybody on this earth. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. So we've got no human enemies. It doesn't matter if they don't act like us or look like us or vote like us or spend their money like us. They are not our enemy. Well, John, who are we supposed to be reaching out to? Well, who was always on Jesus' mind? The forgotten, the powerless, the poor, the outcast, the marginalized, the oppressed, the lost, the hurting the broken, the castaways. Every human being you meet every day is a person that Jesus died for and a person that Jesus sent you to as a disciple. The good news is if we have to go be reaching, we have to go and make disciples, the good news is all the potential candidates are everywhere. We're like running into them every day. Where we work and where we shop, and not all these, where we eat. Where we, where we go with the ball field, right? They're everywhere. You see, people can encounter Jesus anywhere because his spirit is in his disciples, and he so they take him everywhere, and he works through his disciples to speak through them and to shine through them. 
But listen, it has to be real. It has to be real. So quit memorizing your canned speeches. And just be real. Just be real. Are we actually going and speaking? Don't make this harder than it is. This is not complicated. All right? Are we actually speaking to people? Are we planting seeds of kindness in people's lives? Or like you put your Jesus fish on your car and then plow through everybody. Not helping. Right? Are we looking for ways to help people? See, so many people get hung up on finding God's will for their lives. I, honestly, I, there are people who have been saved for 40 years. They've been looking for God's will for their lives. Trying to figure out what ministry God's called them to. I'm not sure I've ever heard a preacher say this, and I, I may find out why after I say it. Stop trying to figure out what ministry you're called to start and just go help somebody. Just go help somebody. If a bunch of people need what you're, the help that you're offering, then congratulations, you started a ministry. Until then, just go help somebody. It doesn't have to be your life's call. Just go help somebody. Reach out to somebody who needs some help. The, the good Samaritan, it was not his, he didn't start a ministry. He said, there's a dude on the side of the road that's nearly dead. I'm going to go help him. And we're still talking about him 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years later. Just, just help some, feed somebody. Hungry people don't need you to start a ministry. They need a Happy Meal. So go get them one. It, it, you're a mechanic. I, I am not a mechanic. Are you a mechanic? Don't go start a car repair ministry. Just go fix somebody's car. Go find you a single mom. Or, or if I was a single dad, somebody that knows nothing about fixing cars. And help them. I've discovered that if a disciple of Jesus is busy helping people and loving people, they don't have to find their calling. The calling will find them. Finding the will of God is a whole lot easier if you're already walking beside Him. With His priorities at, at the center of everything you do. You say, well, John, I don't know. Can I actually help anybody? I'm not a preacher. What can I do? Well, if somebody's sick, can you make them dinner? Just tell them or leave a note that says, I'm praying for you. you know, if someone's going through something at work, can you pull them aside on a break or in the parking lot after work or whatever and say a prayer for them? You're like, oh, I don't know if I can pray for somebody. 95% of the people that you interact with every day have never had anybody pray with them about something that's concerning them in that moment. So don't worry about what it sounds like. That will be the best prayer they've ever heard. Could you, could you share sermon links with, with maybe a little something about inviting them to church or what the message might have meant to you in that moment? Really simple, really quick, but really powerful. Because your friends are like, I didn't know they went to church over there. I wonder if I could go to church with them. Well, they just said I could go, like, inviting me to church. I want to go to church with them. If somebody's going through a hard time, could you just drop them a note or a card it says, Jesus loves you, and so do I. You don't, Jesus said, even a cup of cold water. You just give a thirsty person a cup of cold water. In the name of Jesus, it will be rewarded. Take his love. 
Take His truth. Take His compassion. Take His grace and His mercy, His forgiveness. But whatever you do, reach out to those around you and take Jesus outside this church into your world because this ain't Vegas. What happens here cannot stay here. And let me, let me close with this. You know what else is, uh, Vegas is famous for besides gambling? Shows. Big, elaborate, flashy shows. You know who else is famous for shows? The American church. That's what we built our bread and butter on. I mean, Easter's coming, people planning extravaganzas. For, listen, I, I've been doing this a long time. I have planned my share of extravaganzas. Never changed a heart. People went, ooh, that was wonderful. That was nice, right? Then went right back to doing what they always did. Didn't, they didn't meet Jesus through our extravaganzas. See, I, I believe there is coming a day when the house of the Lord will be shaken and only what's real will remain. And I think, I believe it's already started. Listen, no more shows. No more productions. The fake church, the fair weather church, the cultural Christians are going to fall away and the real church of the living God will rise up and it needs to start now. We have got to be real with people. We have got to see souls saved. We have got to see people set free and delivered and discipled for Jesus. Because listen, when it's a matter of life and death, when it's a matter of eternity in heaven or eternity in hell, you don't need cute church. You don't need trendy church. You don't need slick church. You don't need impressive church. You don't need a Las Vegas production church. You need real You need the real power of a real God that can change a life for real. You need somewhere that preaches the truth. You need somewhere that believes in the power of God to change a life on the spot. You need somewhere that believes in in prayer and repentance and salvation and deliverance. Somewhere who won't stop praising and won't stop worshiping until the Lord shows up. Somewhere that welcomes everybody, no matter what they look like, no matter where they've been, how much money they have or don't have, what they've done. Somebody that you can build relationships with. Somebody who believes the way you do. Somewhere that you can learn to be who God wants you to be and then be challenged and encouraged to go out and be that person. Where are people going to find that place? God, the cry of my heart is let that place be here. Let it be covenant life. Let us be the church for people and let us be those people everywhere we go and not just on Sundays. That's the vision of this house. That's the vision of this church. Say, John, what about the numbers? What about the budgets? What about the attendance goals? I ain't worried about none of that. What strategy are you going to use to grow the church? I'm not trying to grow the church. I'm trying to make disciples. And listen, if a real encounter with Jesus is not enough to make them want to come back week after week after week, then I got nothing better to give them. 
So, John, are we there yet? Nope. That's why this is, that's why this is vision. We're not that all the time. We're not, not everybody is that. But we keep pressing. We have to be this. We have to be. This, the world we live in, the community we operate in, needs us to be this. If we're not the church, who else is going to be? God has a plan A. That's us. There is no plan B. No other organization in this world is going to be the church if we're not the church. My kids and my grandkids need a church to grow up in where God's not a concept. He's a person. Where the power of God isn't just a a topic to be talked about and read about. It's experienced on a daily basis. Where what happens in church doesn't stay in church. But that only happens when we get real, we get relational, and we get reaching. Because this ain't Vegas. This is real life. It's the mission of Christ. It's the vision of this church. So my question to you today is, will you join me in making this a reality in this world? Y'all stand with me, please. pray. They're going to sing a song and I'm going to invite you to come and, and pray about whatever's going on in your life. You've got, uh, you got a need in your life. You've got sickness in your body. You've got a big decision to make. A relationship issue. Whatever's going on. Listen, life is, life is we, we just try to be real around here and life is tough sometimes. So uh, you come and pray about whatever you need to pray about. And we'll be happy to meet you here and pray with you. There ain't no, no judgment because there's just real people around here. We've all been through Okay, just come and pray about whatever you got going on. But I do want you to spend a few minutes. It'll take three or four minutes for them to sing a song. Take three or four minutes and just hear what it is the Lord's saying to you and whether this resonates with you or not and whether He might be calling you to join us in carrying out this vision in your life. I'm not asking you to join the church. I'm just saying as God's speaking to you that maybe this is a place you need to come back and and, and join up with. Or maybe this is a seed that's planted in your heart and you go out to wherever God's placing you and you're going to be real and relational and reaching. Whatever it is, just allow the Lord to speak to you today before we go scurrying off to all the things that we have to do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a chance to be in your house today. And I thank you for your word. And I thank you that, um, that your Holy Spirit convicts us. He lets us know when something's the truth. And I pray, Lord, that you would just open up our hearts and our minds help us to hear what it is you have to say. And if, God, there are things in our lives that we need to tighten up, I pray that you'd convict us of those things. There are things in our lives that we need to start doing that we haven't been doing. Then, Lord, show us what we need to do, when and where and how. And, Lord, we know that you've already given us the power through your Spirit. Lord, if there's a person here that doesn't know you, a person who hasn't surrendered their lives to you, I pray, God, that they do that right now. They come to this altar and they tell us they want to be saved. They tell us they want to know you and surrender their lives to you. I pray that happens today and that you change their lives today. Whatever else is going on in somebody's life that they want to come and pray about, I just pray that you draw them here, Lord. We know that when you draw them, you'll meet them here and you'll meet their needs. And we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.